Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Homemade Ops. Today we're going to be talking about the perverse incentive of budgets when you're not involved in the budget making process. Sounds a little crazy, but we'll break it down. And then how couples can avoid fights about the budget and get on the same page. news for you today is a little different than our usual. Um, We're looking for your advice because we've been struggling for about almost four weeks now probably to buy a dresser. It's been rough. (laughs) We're trying to get a dresser for our bedroom and we found the one we want on Ikea but they we literally cannot buy it from them. I have tried to do the the click and pick up pick up in the store. I've tried to contact their customer service and every single day they say we're full of orders we can't take your order it's driving me nuts so when it comes to the news for you um so there's when it comes to shopping obviously over the last several months there's been some changes (laughs) and uh so a lot of stores that were not prepared for these changes because of covid19 and uh pandemics and all this other stuff and also with uh Uh, with this kind of mini trade war, this cold war with China right now, trying to figure out how that's going to work. Well, a lot of different retailers are having some troubles getting supply and also setting up their sites. Well, Ikea was actually in the news recently because actually in the Wall Street Journal, listen to this, Ikea can't reopen stores fast enough after flubbing online orders. (laughs) So they're losing a lot of business. They're actually the world's largest retail store, or um, furniture store, that is. And uh, we've been, we have one right next to our home and we've been trying to order from them for weeks now and we can't even, they have this weird system. What is it, Kimberly? It's like where they like yeah, you only order, limit. You order online and pick up in store, but they limit the amount of orders per day. And a lot online. of times, yeah, and a lot of times it won't even be open per day. So you don't buy it and then get a pickup slot. They just say, sorry, we can't take any more orders today. Like, please take our money. We want a dresser. <laughs> we made the mistake of selling our old dresser online. Um, and it sold fast uh, because we thought, oh, we picked out the one we want on Ikea. Um, and then now we have no dresser and all our clothes all over the floor. <laughs> we can't find a good furniture or we can't find a good dresser that's about the same price. So just uh, so here's some news for you, okay? When you're shopping at Ikea in the next few days, if you get in, good. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't click lucky. off the website. <laughs> so that's your news for you because right now they're still trying to fix their online system. And I was reading the article and uh, the issue that they were having was they weren't prepared for a pandemic like this. So typically they don't have as many online sales. They have a lot more people coming into the stores. And so they uh, weren't expecting this huge influx of people jumping over to their store. So if you're dealing with Ikea and their furniture mishaps and their crappy website, well, just uh, hold t- hang tight. Uh, try looking for other options. But if you can't find any, then just know that they hopefully, they promise they will in this article, but they promise that they're going to have their online presence a little bit more active in the future, especially as they get more stores opening. So just kind of keep that in mind when it comes to the online store. Uh, so in the meantime, Try shopping on other places like Amazon. You can actually find very comparable products to uh, items that are from Ikea on Amazon. Wayfair has amazing selections. Yeah, we usually buy from Wayfair. They have the best stuff. I love Wayfair. I mean, it's Wayfair has the best 
shopping site I've seen. Yeah, like, they're they're great. It makes it really easy to find stuff because they have room ideas. Their filtering options are awesome. It's uh, yeah. So Wayfair, when it comes to furniture, has definitely the best formula, but or at least the website is the prettiest. It's the easiest to find things. But just know that they can get a little challenging when uh, it comes to price. Sometimes their stuff is a little bit more than others. Sometimes it's on sale. So you just just like any other store, you have to kind of shop around. And then that's when we have usually three websites open at one time and we're looking for the same product. <laughs> so it's up to you. And that's uh, that's pretty much it when it comes to the news. Yeah. Good luck with your shopping. And the odds be in your favor is the theme nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> when you're trying to find good deals. It's very true. So if you have any tips, if you have any great recommendations, let us know because we're still shopping around. <laughs> but when it comes to the news for you, just know that you may have to consider other options until some of these online retailers, or not even online retailers, but brick and mortar that are switching to online get up and running. So for our topic today... I was thinking about what somebody told me once, and it reminded me of something I see in accounting a lot. So I had a friend tell me that she's not very involved in the budgeting in their relationship. And she said that if she saved money, she felt like it didn't matter. Her husband didn't really notice because, you know, she'd spend under and she'd save money. But it would just they she wasn't involved in the process, so he didn't really see that. So she really didn't feel like she had an incentive to save money. Um, because she wasn't involved in the whole budgeting process. So it made me think of a principle where you see it a lot in government accounting and also sometimes in corporate accounting where there'll be departments, like, for example, the marketing department. They get their budget for the year, and they're supposed to send, say, for example, they are supposed to spend $10,000, or that's the max they can spend. Well, a lot of times towards the end of the year, a lot of these departments will have spent less than that, but what they'll do is hurry and spend all the money by the end of the year because they think, well, if I spend $8,000 of that $10,000 budget next year, the accounting team, the budget making team is going to say, oh, wow, marketing didn't need 10 grand. They only needed eight. We're going to give them an $8,000 budget. So their budget's cut. So the problem with that, so they have this incentive to spend all their budget, even if they don't need it. That disconnect happens because that marketing department is not involved in the budget making process. They don't get any input. They can't say, yeah, we spent less this year, but we'll need more next year. Or they're not connected from it at all. They feel like it's kind of adverse to them. They're not communicating. Yeah. There's no clear uh, direct goal between the two. Accounting, their goal is, okay, where can we put the numbers? Where can we uh, cut costs? While marketing is, okay, well, we need to spend now and uh, maybe down the road we will spend less, but maybe we need to spend more And because we have a large campaign coming out in the next year. Well, accounting doesn't really have that same vision. Yeah, if you're running a business, your goal is to make as much money by spending as, li as little as possible. Same with a family, right? Your goal is to spend as little as possible and make the most money. If you're totally disconnected from that process, it's hard to feel that incentive to cut costs, to spend money because you don't see the big picture. You don't see, oh, wow, look, I saved $50 in my groceries this month. And now look, we have 50 more dollars and we can put it here towards our savings and towards growing our, you know, growing our family. But if you're not involved, really easy to feel disconnected. And we find that happens a lot when spouses don't partnership together on the budget. You so, take care of the finances, mm -hmm. dear, and I'll do this. Yeah, or, just tell me how much I can spend. 
Exactly. Then you just don't feel, you feel like you can spend all that and it doesn't really matter. You're not incentivized to help the family cut costs a lot of times. So we advocate strongly. This is just one of the many reasons where we advocate strongly for both spouses and partnership to be involved equally. Now, just to point on that equally, that doesn't mean that they have to share the exact same responsibilities. So both of them have to pay the bills. No, you don't have to do that. Maybe one is doesn't want to be as involved as the other one in finances, and that's fine. But you definitely should be on the same page when it comes to budgeting, understanding your finances, knowing how much money you both make, that kind of stuff. And even if you do care about cutting costs, because it's not saying that you won't, you just don't really get to see the fruits of that. So if you cut, you know, you're spending way under budget, you're cut, clipping coupons, you're saving all this money, you don't get to see where that money goes. And you're not seeing the growth that you're building. You're not seeing all, everything that you're contributing and all that you're helping by saving money. So it's important for you to both be involved. Now, there's a point that Kimberly said that I actually really like. And that is um, the whole point that expectations change, right? Well, because just like the example she gave with the marketing department and the accounting department, because they don't have the same goal or clear vision of where they're heading, well, expectations will get adjusted. So let's say, uh, let's say you're a couple and one, and let's say you're not tracking your budgeting together. So this is another reason why Kimberly and I really advocate, listen to previous episodes, uh, advocate setting up a budget, even one that you can look at historical information, because then you can track trends. Then you can see, okay, how much are we spending here? How much have we done in the past? So that way the goal is everyone's on the same page. Your goal is the same. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because let's say you run into a scenario where let's say someone is spending a lot of money for groceries. And let's say for a couple months, maybe they got some coupon cards for Christmas, like to uh, your local grocery store. Well, then you're spending money on that. So if you don't, if you're not talking about budgets or you're not on the same page with it, let's say you're paying $400 a month for food, quite a bit of uh, money for food, but you have a lot of kids makes sense. Well, if that's the kind of money you're spending, but it drops down to 200 because you're using gift cards and you're not communicating with each other. Well, then the other spouse is going to say, oh, now we're spending 200 bucks on, uh, on this, on these groceries. Fantastic. And they're just going to go all hunky dory. But then once that money jumps back up to 400 a month, they're going to come back and say, why are you spending so much money? <laughs> why are you spending so much money on yeah, food? Yeah, it can cause a ton of fights. And, All and the time. you're just not on the same page mm -hmm. with expectations. Or I know, hey, this month, by the way, for example, last month I had two baby showers and two bridal showers that I had to get gifts for. It was a ton. And I let Todd know, hey, by the way, I've got these gifts. So all of a sudden he's like, why are you buying all this crap on Amazon? You know, mm -hmm. he knows I, you got this coming up and it's totally fine. And as long as you place it in the budget, that's, that's again, why th this will help you avoid so many fights, so many arguments, because if it's prepared and planned, well, then it's expected. So that doesn't mean you have to run into any surprises that cause arguments, especially if you're in a stressful environment. If your work is stressful and you get home at night and you're just like, you're on edge. And then you see that you're spending an extra couple hundred bucks on groceries. You're going to flip. And instead of taking it reasonably by looking at yourself and saying, okay, let's take a look and see what's going on. What are you actually going to do? Spouse, it's your fault. And then mm -hmm. it immediately all Become the enemies. Yeah. The frustration from that day will get poured into somebody else. And that's unfair. That's unfair to your spouse. It's unfair to you because it's not a correct representation of what's going on in the day. 
false expectations are usually the root of most arguments. Not even financially, but I feel like just in general in, in your marriage, it's false expectations. Like we've talked about examples on other podcasts. You get home later than I thought because you have work and I was expecting you, so I waited to eat dinner, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can have different arguments about things where just your expectations are not on the same page. So being on the same page when you do your budget together helps a ton. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a divide. If you want to divide your responsibilities, in fact, that's what Kimberly and I do. So Kimberly and I, when we do our finances, we do them together, but we have different responsibilities. So I take care of the bills. And then Kimberly's going to take uh, care of all the different credit card expenditures and reconcile the, uh, the different bank accounts that we have. So we have different segregation of duties. And even if one person isn't as financially savvy and don't want to be, well, still include them in the discussion. Show them the sheet. Show them the budget. Show them how much we you want to spend. So that way you're just on the same page. And if the other person is on board, guess what? They're going to feel important. They're going to feel like they're uh, they're going to feel like okay, I'm included in the conversation. I know what our goal is, and you'll find that this will help tremendously. Plus, you get the added benefit of when you do find a good deal or save money, it's extremely fun to brag to your spouse. And then you get the kudos for that. You know, like when I was buying all those gifts for the showers, I told Todd how, wow, I bought a lot of these with our credit card points, so look at how much I cut down the budget. You get to praise each other for that. <laughs> you, yeah, it's You fun. get to see the joy of, hey, look what I did for our family, and you get some recognition for that, which goes a long way. So it's, it's actually, it becomes kind of fun. Now, some of the one of the things that's helped Kimberly and I in our relationship grow is the fact that we have these financial planning sessions once a week. Now, we never really listen to all these other financial planners and stuff or whatever. Um, a lot of them actually recommend you do do that, but we just started doing that naturally. And that was something that really helped us out from the get-go because I think we did that starting off in our first couple weeks of marriage. Even. Yeah, right when we got married, we started it and it's been great. So definitely really good. And actually, there's there's a kind of a funny story about Kimberly's uh, parents when it comes to this. And uh, we love them so much. And there was so Kimberly's parents, if I hope I hopefully they don't mind us sharing this story. Um, Kimberly's parents. Uh, so Kimberly's mom does a lot of the actual uh, budgeting purchases and that sort of stuff. And uh, Kimberly's father, he does that sometimes too, but he mainly is just trying to focus on bringing the family money, uh, you know, just working, bringing the family money. And so sometimes he's not making all the typical purchases that you'd make every day. So he'll go to, so uh, like grocery store visits, for example, he doesn't do as much because he's focused on other areas. Well, when, one time Kimberly's mom, for example, wasn't able to go to the grocery store. So, uh, so Kimberly's father had to go and he started flipping out because he didn't understand that so, milk. Why is milk four bucks? <laughs> yeah, he couldn't believe it. He's like, what? When did the price of milk go up? She's like, well, it's been since 1990 that you bought milk. <laughs> so was pretty great. So, you know, the more involved you are, the less shocked you the are. The less shock you have. And again, that's not a problem at all because they have their separation of duties. That's the whole goal. It's more of a cute example. <laughs> it's just kind of a fun example. So um, if you're on the same page when it comes to looking at budgets and groceries, you won't have as many surprises. Like milk going up four bucks to four bucks <laughs> from the 90s or whatever it is. So let's talk about, it's great to talk about why you know, we both need to be involved. Let's talk about challenges to making this happen. We thought of three kind of different personalities that can maybe cause trouble when you're both trying to be involved. So the first is if one spouse maybe is not educated financially. So maybe one is a banker and one is, you know, a teacher. 
something that's just an English teacher, right? Who where it's just totally separate worlds. So one of them, obviously, it's their world, their expertise. They do that for a living. So sometimes that can be a little bit difficult. So let's talk about ways that we can overcome that. I feel like the spouse, who that's not their profession, the best thing to do is to educate yourself as much as you can. You know, we're trying to provide as much education as we can. There's other resources online. And even working with the spouse saying, hey, maybe I'm not on the same page as you because this is your world. Can you show me a few things? And you, like Todd said, it doesn't have to be exactly perfectly divided 50-50, just as you're involved somewhat with your input, giving your opinions. That's pretty much all you need to be involved. It doesn't mean that you have to take over everything and do as much as they do. Just giving your input kind of seeing what's going on and trying to learn from them or learn from other resources online. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think it's good because it's uh, over time, the more you get involved as well, even if it starts small, the more you'll probably start receiving responsibilities. Because uh, one thing that I realized uh, in our relationship with Kimberly and I, or Kimberly and me, is we... Uh, the more, because at first I was handling pretty much all of our investments and all these different options and all these other uh, other deals and accounts. Well, Kimberly was more on the accounting side. I was more on the finance side. Yeah, I don't our, know much about as much about investing as Todd did because he majored in finance. So I let him kind of handle all that, or he decided to handle all that. However, within the last like year and a half or so, Kimberly, because oh, over time I've been explaining principles to her about a bunch of other things. And she knew a lot about this already, but a little bit more of the vision of uh, investing, that sort of deal. Well, at that point, she started getting more involved. And then she started becoming way more involved in handling accounts to the point where I'm like, oh, good. Well, if I take off, she can go buy some stocks because she now knows how to do that. So just know that over time, you can get better at something. And this is so good because what, like, heaven forbid, what if something happened to one of us? Or let's say we go on a work trip. That's a little nicer to say. <laughs> one of us goes on a work trip and has uh, no internet connection and somebody needs to do some sort of transaction. Well, now you know how to do it. Now you have that lifeline. You at least have a base understanding of what your spouse does. So that education piece is great. Now, just one quick reminder or one quick thing when it comes to education. There are plenty of places to get good information. So let me give you a quick tip of two of the best places that I found, uh, at least for free information. One, lynda.com. Lynda.com is fantastic. That's L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. That's right. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I spelled that right in my head. Um, now, it's actually, it does cost money to use lynda.com. But uh, if you go get a library card, a lot of times library cards, uh, if you go to your uh, local store, they'll offer free services to these online platforms like Lynda and others. Go check those resources to take some financial courses and also uh, some personal finance courses. Those are very useful. Another terrific free resource to learn financing is Khan Academy. So that's going to be K-H-A-N Academy. It is a fantastic resource with free information where you can learn how to use finances, personal finances, and a whole lot of other topics too. So take a look at those if you want to learn those items. And I'll just put a shameless plug here. The whole reason we started this business, this podcast, is to help people like that who want to learn, you know, to make their life better, to learn what it means to manage finances, to manage these home processes. And we're actually building out a course right now that's going to be covered in detail with step by step. Here's exactly what you can do. And our goal with it is to when you get to the end of it, you feel like you've got a pretty good understanding, a base understanding of how to set up your home operations, how to set up a successful budget. And we cover a lot of topics. So you feel like 
you went to business school. You don't have this base understanding of what to do. So as you, you know, if there's topics that you want to learn about, we'd love for you to write in and say, hey, I'd love to learn more about X, Y, and Z. And we'd love to cover that and help you as much as we can. That's really why we started this, because we had a lot of friends who had who are wanting to learn these sorts of things so they could be more actively involved in their family finances. Absolutely. So be paying attention for that. That should be available in the next few months. Uh, reason why, uh, so in the meantime, definitely go check out some other places to see that information. The problem with those other courses that we find though is they're very scattered. They'll talk about some things here and there, but it's not really comprehensive where you get the full picture. Or they assume you kind of have a base knowledge of finance or base knowledge of certain things. And so they'll talk about 401ks, but they won't explain what a 401k is. Or strategies with it. They'll give you the definition of what it is, but they won't tell you how to use it or which one to use. There's a Roth uh, there's a Roth 401k versus a traditional 401k. Which one should you use? Why should how you change? How can you apply it to your daily life as a normal human being? <laughs> and that's what we're gonna help you understand. We're gonna give you that base understanding so that way you have a launch pad to, uh, to your financial freedom. And one more thing I'll say on this before we move on is I think one thing that I thought that has helped me is to not feel inadequate. So a great example is even with this podcast, Todd has a background in video editing and he's really good with doing the audio and he knew what equipment to buy. He knows all that kind of stuff. And I felt kind of bad at the beginning because he was doing so much of the legwork. I'd show up, I'd record, you know, give some ideas on content, but he was really doing a lot of that legwork. And I realized one day and I said, hey, just show me how you set up for each show. So I can get all the microphones set up. I can get the equipment set up. And even though it's pretty simple steps, it's help. he said it's helpful for him because he can come down and it's all ready to go. So I didn't have to learn extensive background of the entire audio software, but even because I had no background in that at all, but I can learn a few simple things that I can do. So I think just don't feel intimidated. Don't feel like I can't learn all this stuff. Just learn a little bit. That's all you need to do. And every a little, little bit, bit at a time. Yeah. And I feel more involved now. And so feeling like you can even just do a few little things and you'll learn more over time is plenty. That's that's one of the biggest hurdles. And we talked a little bit about this last week with being overwhelmed at the mountain. Well, imagine opening up Excel for the first time if you'd ever have and you see a, a, all these numbers and fancy spreadsheets and budgets. You're going to take one look and be like, oh, and then walk <laughs> out of the room. So don't get stressed out. It is going to look intimidating at first. So take it a step at a time. So let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, point here. So we are talking just about challenges to making this happen, right? To learning this stuff. Number one is your spouse may not know or be educated financially in these items. So we just barely talked about that. The other one is maybe one spouse is just not interested. <laughs> that happens. Some people are like, you know what? I just want to spend the money. Tell me what I can spend. I don't want to be involved. You take care of that. I'll do this. That can certainly happen. Now, I do encourage you, if you're the one who's not interested in it, to, just like Kimberly said, just maybe peek a little bit into it. Sit down in the budget sessions because this will at least put some sort of perspective in your goals as a family so you know why you're not spending this much. You don't have to run the whole system, but like we talked about in other episodes, getting your balance sheet, which is just looking at really where you're at financially every month and kind of taking a peek at the budget, even if you do that, that's plenty. It's really important for you to know where's our family at financially. Absolutely. So just kind of keep that in mind. 
take a look at that and just, I know it may not be of anything of interest, but try just to sit down, even if it's for five, 10 minutes and just look over the, your balance sheet, your income statement or your budget sheet, whatever you're doing, just look at it with your partner, your spouse. So that way you can at least be on the same page of your goals and see, oh, this is why I can see these numbers and these expenses. And if I spend this much at the very bottom, your net income, that that number needs to be positive. If it's negative, it, we need to adjust. And you'll find when people look at those things, psychologically an adjustment happens. They see, oh gosh, we have no money. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they actually see it. Because if you have that very dangerous credit card and you don't know how to handle it, or like Kimberly and I, for example, we have never paid once interest on our credit cards. For the last six years of marriage, we have not paid interest once because we don't treat them like uh, we don't treat them like uh, an account with endless supply. Rather, we've looked at our budget and said, "Ooh, we can't spend this much money," and that put us in check, so we were able to have a handle on spending credit cards or using credit cards. If you don't have that handle, if you don't have that control, don't even get a credit card at all. But if you have budgets, if you have these lists and you're following them, then a credit card can be a very valuable tool, for example. So that's just one of the examples that Kimberly and I, I have had. And using that, using our budgets, we've had that set of controls. But if you don't care at all, then you're not going to have that control in place. Realize how I think being in the dark is really dangerous. So like Todd said, you can look at your money and be like, oh my gosh, we don't have money. What are we doing? You know, we or we don't have what as much as I thought we had. Or it could go the opposite too. Maybe you're so worried like, oh my gosh, I feel like we have a lot of expenses a month. We have this medical bill and then our basement fund and then we have real life experiences. And then we, they, you know, we had, you know, we owe taxes, we owe all these things and it feels like a lot. But then like when we were going through, we talked about earlier this year where we had kind of all these expenses at once. But then we looked at our, our balance sheet, our little financial position. We looked at our budget and we realized, okay, we can do this. We can handle this. So when you look, it can help you through a difficult time when you look at your finances and think, you know what? I've been preparing for this. We're going to be okay. And that can relieve a lot of anxiety too. So it can go both ways. Anytime you're in the dark, it's easy to feel wrong. You know, you're, re you're grasping at straws then. You don't know if you're being overconfident or underconfident. Uh, yeah, for sure. So there's... So that's going to be the second problem, right? First one, one spouse not educated. Second uh, point, one spouse is not interested. Now let's talk about the third. What do you do when one spouse is bossy or controlling and doesn't want the other involved? Even not bossy, but they're just like, look, I'll handle it. <laughs> this is this is tricky. I, this is very tricky. It's an interesting one. Now it's uh, there could be a lot of reasons for this. It could be because of control, which is one of the sad options, because you feel like, hey, I'm in control of I want to make sure I tell people what to spend because I earn the money. Let's say you're the one earning the money and you want to control things. Well, then you don't want look, have it, you don't want people involved in your finances because you kind of view that as your own. Now that's a problem. That's not good. If you're in that mindset, if you don't allow people into it because you're like, no, they I don't trust them. They're going to ruin something. And it's just kind of your uh, obsession of control. That needs to go away. It's you need to be able to share your finances with your partner and include them in their in the conversation. If you don't, you leave them in the dark. Just like Kimberly said, that can run into some major issues. So one reason you could be maybe more controlling over the finances is if you get frustrated with your spouse. So maybe they don't know a lot about finances or they don't want to be involved like the first two points. And you just think it's so much easier if I just do it myself. So remember, 
this other spouse who maybe doesn't want to be involved or doesn't know as much, they don't have to do everything. You don't have to delegate 50% of everything to them or you don't have to split up evenly or give them things that maybe you're not comfortable giving them. But have them be involved at least to give their opinion about where you're spending the money or on the budget or even just give them a few things to do to be involved. Remember, it's an equal partnership. And so you both have to be involved and you both want to give your opinions because as a family, you have a set pool of resources and you should both be involved in deciding where those resources go. Plus, like Todd said, if something happened to you, um, which would be horrible, or even if you're just not available, you don't want them to feel helpless. You want to be able to empower your spouse to be able to be in equal partnership with you and to feel like they're not completely dependent, that they're going to be completely lost if something happened to you if you couldn't take care of them. You want them to feel empowered to be able to take care of the family if that's needed. So we actually have a fun little surprise for y'all that we're going to be announcing today. Now, we're not going to do this every single Friday, but we are going to introduce a new segment, and that is called Friday Friends. And what we're going to do with this new segment is periodically we're going to interview people from around the community, even you, some of our listeners who have uh, thoughts, comments, or want to call in, uh, or even if you have questions, we'll address them on this particular day. But uh, what we're going to do on this Friday Friends segment is we're going to bring people on the show that we feel have relevant information that can help you. So in this last point that we were just talking about, challenges to making these adjustments to your finances and having these conversations. We actually have a special guest. His name is McLean Taylor, and he is a master on talking about limiting beliefs. Now, we actually have a really, we had a really good discussion with him, and this will be airing on Friday. And so the discussion was around how these beliefs are limiting to yourself and how those limiting beliefs will impede on your personal growth. So, oh, I can't learn finances. I'm just not good. Limiting belief. Oh my goodness. Or, or like uh, it's someone is so controlling and all these things. Like there's, there's no way that we can get out of, uh, get out of this financial situation. Those are limiting beliefs. And so in this conversation, he talks on a broad level. He'll talk on the broad level so you can apply this to other aspects of your life, not just finances, but we'll talk, we actually have a conversation discussing how to recognize these limiting beliefs in your life. And then at the end of the conversation, we talk about them in more particular, more specifically around finance, how you can have conversations with your partner or spouse in an effective manner and way so that way you're not... Uh, confrontational. One of the biggest problems that we have when it comes to discussing finances is it turns out into a fight, turns out into an issue. And then hopefully, or uh, like unfortunately, un uh, these events downstream can cause terrible results like uh, divorce and other sad things as well. Um, verbal abuse, whatever it is. So in our conversation with McLean, we discuss a little bit about those and how we can overcome limiting beliefs and have good conversations with our partner and spouse and present them in a way that doesn't cause as much negative conflict. So here's a quick little sample, a little bit about what we talked about on Friday. Because we make decisions emotionally and words are just emotions that are labeled, that means semantics in our beliefs are everything. How you word your beliefs is very important. If you say you know something, that's very different than saying, I have seen a lot of evidence of this and I still choose to believe it because it benefits my life. It doesn't mean that you know something. And in fact, in, in many cases, when you don't know something, it's more empowering because then it means that you can continue to grow. 
So that was our conversation. Uh, listen, tune in on Friday to listen to it. A very good conversation, and I think one that will help many people. So our weekly meeting action item, this is the item we want you to work on this week, is going to be around becoming involved. If you and your spouse are not equally involved, if you have a spouse, um, figure out why. Why am I not involved? Or why is my spouse not involved? And then take a few minutes to sit down together and make a plan for how you can work things out. The great thing that we can do is obviously we've talked about a lot before, but is establishing a time for your weekly meeting that you can have together to go over your finances, to go over your weekly plan. If you haven't yet, set a time for that and give it a try. Try and identify why one of you isn't involved and to and make a plan about how you can fix that going forward. So thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear your thoughts about our topic today. Write us on Instagram or Facebook, and we'd love to catch you next time. Thanks so much for joining us.